scripture today is out of the book of Romans. And today we're coming to a conclusion of our series commemorating the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. It was a day like today, a Sunday like today, probably a lot colder in Wittenberg, Germany, uh, where the monk Martin Luther got up on the Saturday that it was December, I mean, October 31st, and he, it was a Saturday night, and he wanted the people of, of the town of Wittenberg to realize and know the abuse of the church and the freedom that could be gained by following a simpler faith not one by rules and regulation, but one based on Scripture alone, one based on Christ alone, a faith based on grace alone, faith alone, and to give glory to God alone. So he got up that morning, that night, and he did his Facebook posting. He actually did. He got up and he, with the nails in his hands and parchments in his other hand, and he had a nail in his pocket probably. Did they have pockets? Probably it's tied up somewhere. You know, he got to the church in Wittenberg, and he nailed his complaints against the church. So when, when everybody turned on their Facebook in the morning, which was to come to the church door and see what's up, that was CNN, NBC, Fox of those days. Literally, it was the church door. That's where you would come into town to see what's happening. Now, in the door itself was the news of the day. In the other wooden areas was the past news. So you could catch up and scroll down. So that day he was saying, and, and, and he was proclaiming to the whole world that salvation, that, our, that the grace that God bestows on us is not by our own doing, is not by our own compl complying with rules and regulation, but it is an act of God. That God begins, God works it out, God satisfies it, and God blesses it and pours it into our lives. So listen to the words of the, of, the, of the Apostle Paul as he is confirming to his people, to his church in, in the city of Rome, that this salvation has done one thing. It's not only God as far insurance, meaning, yes, we are saved from damnation, hell, whatever that may be. We are assured a place with God in the future for eternal life. But it also breaks away the power of sin in our lives. It gives us the freedom to be what God has intended us to be. It is not only get fire insurance and keep on living your life, but it is fire insurance plus the benefits of a well-lived, God-driven, God-glorifying life. Listen to the words from chapter 6, verse 9. And 11, we are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over Him. When He died, He died once to break the power of sin. But now He lives, and He lives for the glory of God. And here comes the bridge to us. So you, by the way, did you realize that when I went like this, so you, I had six fingers pointing at me? Me too. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God 
through Jesus, through Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. And we have been discussing this, this last week's the amazing power that God has bestowed and, and, and shares it with us. Uh, the, the, the first message was that we are saved by grace alone, not by any works, not by any doing of ourselves, to, absolutely by grace of God alone. Grace in the traditional sense means that God is bestowing God's favor, that God is saying that you're okay with God, that God is no longer counting your sins against you, that God is no longer considering you a part that God is bringing you unto God's self because of what you have not done, because of what Christ has done. So we are saved by the works of Christ alone, and that's in Christ alone. We also study the idea of by faith alone, and that is the idea that our Christian walk, our Christian life, who God has given us by grace alone, is to be walked to be lived, to be experienced, to be carried out by faith alone. It is sustained by God. It is nurtured by God. It is supported by God's Spirit. And it is given to us through the Word. We also study the idea of Christ alone. And what the Reformers were arguing back then, and maybe some of us today in our hearts, is, is the sacrifice of Christ sufficient? Is it enough? They were not talking about exclusivity, saying those who don't believe in Christ, they don't come to God. No, no, no. They were talking specifically about was Christ's sacrifice sufficient? Because if it's sufficient, then there is nothing else that is needed from us, but it's only the faith from God, the faith from God that is a gift from God for us to believe God and not only believe in God. So if we live this life that is, lived, that, that is given to us by grace alone, when we live this life that is given to us to be lived by faith in God alone, and when we live this life to be in Christ alone and to be guided by Scripture alone, the question was that the Reformers were asking, was Scripture enough to tell us the story of salvation? Or does tradition, does the priest and the pope or the priest have something else to give me so that I can be saved? And the answer was, Scripture alone satisfies the story of salvation Scripture alone has the answer for our life of faith and for our life with one another. Scripture alone, by grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Today I would like to share with you the idea of the, to live for the glory of God alone. Now, hang in with me because I'm going to get into a, a theological stuff here that may be a little bit confusing. Luther spoke about two kinds of gods. Not really. <laughs> the, the idea was that he spoke about the God that was hidden. In Latin, he would call it the Deus Esconditus. It's easy for us to say that. <laughs> the God that is hidden, that we will never see that part of God. Okay? That's the eternity of God. Parts of God, qualities and attributes of God that God we will never see from God. But at the same time, that God also is what Luther would call Deus Revelatum, or God Revealed. So the God that hides and does not allow us to see parts of God's self 
is graceful enough to then share some of God's own qualities with us. Like what? Life itself. As basic as life itself is shared by God. So even though God is all life, God shares God's life with us. Even though God's love is perfect, God's love is shared with us. We ruin it. <laughs> we make it wrong. But the Spirit of God refines it in us. Okay? So in the same way, in the same way as there is a God that is hidden and a God that is shown to us, there is a God, the same God, he who is hidden and he who shows himself, this same God also shares some of those qualities. He doesn't share some qualities. God, now, what is one quality that God has shared with us? His love. What else? His mercy. What else? Forgiveness. What else? Huh? His gift. Eternity. Eternity. Think about it. God has given us eternity in our hearts, Scripture says. There is a sense of everlasting. So some of these qualities of God, God shares with us. For example, let's take today's topic. The glory of God. In a sense, the glory of God is the most amazing perfection of God's beauty, the most inaccessible, inscrutable. I wrote another big Sunday word here. Inaccessible, inscrutable, indescribable, and it's God's alone. Okay? God's glory, actually, Scripture says, I share my glory with no one. But in the same side... God, who does not share God's glory, decided to share some of God's glory. In Him was God. In Him dwelt the perfection of the divinity, Colossians. So in a way, God who does not share God's glory, that sense of glory... He then decides to share the manifestation of His glory in the person of Jesus Christ. Do we get it? Are you hanging in with me? Okay, let's go back up. We went deep. We went deep. So let's go back up. You see, when the qualities of God are poured in us, we then can live a life of glorifying God. But only if those qualities are given to us by the person through and in Christ. That is why our life, we have our being, and we live our life in Him, Paul says. Isaiah, the first text that, that um, was read this morning, reminds us how amazing God is, all the wonderful glories that God is displaying to the people of Israel. You see, because in the Old Testament, God's glory was defined as the manifestation of God's goodness. 
and God's power on the people of Israel. Example. Freedom from Egypt. God's goodness and God's power manifested for the people of Israel. And they wrote songs of glory, songs of praise, because that was God's power and God's glory, God's goodness manifested to people. Now, as good reformers, we, we have heard the word glory be to God. They were supposed to give God the glory. But what does glory really mean? Doxa. The word doxa in the Greek, you know what it means? Projection. To project. To reflect back. So when, when, when we're asked the question in our catechism that we should probably reinstate that as soon as possible to give some good values to our children and to our young men and women as they are coming to learn the faith and are coming to baptism or to confirmation. They should know what all that is about. You see, God's glory is the projection, the showing. You probably heard the word showing, the, the highlighting of God's goodness and God's power. In the New Testament, the glory of God is partly manifested in the person, works, and words of Christ. So God's glory was in Christ, and Christ's life was glorifying to God. So uh, Isaiah 43 that Chip read this morning, verse 10 says, But you are my witnesses of the glory of God. We are God's witnesses. We are to reflect the glory of God. But what does that mean? Basically, we are to reflect, to project the goodness and power of God. Do you get it? So when we go to that whole idea of, of, uh, of being asked, what is our life supposed to be? We'll get there soon. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, when you produce much fruit... You are my disciples. That's in John 15 when Jesus is saying, Abide in me, I will abide in you. Hang out with me, I will hang out with you. Because separated from me, you can't do anything. So he's saying, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Listen, fruit. This brings glory to my Father. So our projection, our manifestation, our showing, our reflection of goodness and power is what it means to glorify God. Peter says it this way, describes it this way, but you are not like that, those other ones because you are a chosen people, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession so that you may show, reflect, project, manifest, demonstrate others the goodness of God. Paul says it this way in his wonderful statements of salvation. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's creation. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that you can sit down, watch TV, and eat all the cake you want. Oh, another misreading. Can't find my glasses. <laughs> For you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. So that you 
can do the things he planned for us to do long time ago. So we glorify God when we learn more about God. We glorify God when we listen and engage God's Word. We glorify God when we intellectually and intentionally follow Jesus. We glorify God when we gather to offer thanks to God like in worship service this morning. We glorify God when we give and touch others' lives with mercy, with goodness, with a simple message because you care. We thank you. We glorify God when we do what is right and not always what is convenient. We glorify God when we do justice. We glorify God when we resist racism in our hearts and we stand for the weak. We glorify God when we speak up for victims of injustices. We glorify God when we love and not hate. We glorify God when we forgive and not resent. We glorify God when we encourage and not judge. We glorify judge when we welcome and not reject. We glorify God when we live a life of humility before God. So whether you eat or drink, reminds us Paul in Corinthians, or whatever you do, you do it for the glory of God. All glory to Him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are gods before all times in the present and beyond and forever. Amen and amen.